There's three things that make a good sermon. The gift, well, he's got that. The anointing, I believe he has that. And a hungry crowd. You know, you actually can pull the word out of someone. If you're hungry, you can pull it out of someone. So I, I challenge you to pull the word of God out of Chris this morning with your hungry hearts. And um, also come to the Lord with saying, Lord, whatever you tell me this morning, I'm going to do it. Because sometimes God doesn't speak because we're not ready to obey. But if we're ready to obey, God will speak. So I believe for that this morning. Lord, I thank you for the Paris spirit. And Lord, I thank you um, for Chris. Thank you for his giftedness and his confidence. But Lord, I thank you most of all for his surrendered heart. Lord, that he loves you and he just wants what you want. And so, Lord, we're just believing that you'll use him this morning to speak to us. Have us to be um, sensitive to you, to your word, to your spirit, and um, responsive, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, good morning. I have an idea, and I hope that it's not my idea, but I saw this whiteboard when we were worshipping. I was wondering if there is somebody who is creative and thinks that they may be able to draw a picture or an interpretation of the Bible verses that I'm going to share today. So this, I'm just putting it out there. If it's my idea, it's not going to work. But if it's God's idea, maybe there's someone that has an inkling that just wants to come and draw through. The Bible verses. What do you reckon? Is there anyone that wants to do that? It's okay if there's not, by the way. But if you want to... There it is. And there's about two or two minutes to make a, a call on that one. Okay? It's never too late to step out in faith. So it's interesting. We pray and we ask God to bless us. The power of the Holy Spirit, share the message, carry the message. And one of the things that always encourages me about reading the stories in the Old Testament is that all of the people that we read about there, they never saw, they never heard, they, the gospel was a promise. They never saw the fulfillment of what God had promised to do in bringing about his plan of salvation. So they heard about a coming Messiah, they heard about a Saviour, they heard about the one God was going to send and use to bring about the salvation of the world, to save us, to pay the price that our separation of God, uh, to pay the price for our sin, the things that keep us separated from Him. And I'm always encouraged to see that a lot of the Old Testament prophets, God's messengers, they really had to stand alone in their own communities throughout their lives. They could have been the only one in the room saying, what we're doing is wrong. We need to turn back to the Lord. 
constantly they were the one going, they, they were the, the mouthpiece of God saying, I love you and I want you to return to me. Come to me. In other words, as the invitation was before, as Jesus taught us, come to him when we're weary, when we're tired. And I love um, Ezekiel, what I wanted to share with you today. And I actually noticed, funnily enough, a couple of messages ago, God had me in some, some chapters of Ezekiel a little bit before what I want to talk about today. And it's, it's just interesting how God works in our lives. Because I'm wondering, why am I here? Why am I looking at this? But I believe God has just the time for this message, and I hope it is today. So I would love to share some verses with you from Ezekiel. And like I said, if someone wants to come and draw those out, you're more than welcome to. So we're talking today about the river of healing described in Ezekiel chapter 47. Yeah? And we've mentioned today, I feel empty. I'm ready to be filled again. I'm ready to receive the living water that is Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. So today I wonder if you'll step in to the river of healing, if your life will be washed afresh with the living water. So, Ezekiel 47. In my vision, the man brought me back to the entrance of the temple. So just, just for some context there, the temple in Old Testament times, that is the place where everybody went to worship and experience the presence of God. That was how God revealed himself to the people in those days. So before they knew Jesus, before they experienced the power of the Holy Spirit, they knew that they could meet God in a place that was, was built to house the glory of God. So it was a physical place that people could go to. And just as we hear with God's messengers who carried the word, there were people that, that stood in that gap between the people and God. So there was not that direct access to God as to which we experience are invited to today. So that's where Ezekiel saw in his vision a man brought him to the entrance of the temple, the place where everybody went to experience the glory of God. And there he saw a stream flowing. It was flowing out east from beneath the door of the temple and passing to the right of the altar on its south side. The man then brought him outside the wall through the north gateway and led him around to the eastern entrance. And there he could see water flowing out through the south side of the east gateway. And measuring as he went, he took me along the stream. And in the old translations, it said a thousand cupids. It translated to 1,750 feet. Uh, for us, it's equivalent of about 530 meters, give or take. So he's talking about leading him along this stream for about 500 meters. And he leads him across. And at first, the water was up to his ankles. And then he measured off another 500 meters and led him across again. And this time the water was up to his knees. So he's crossing across this stream of water that's flowing. It's 
it's up to his ankles, it's up to his knees. Another 500 metres, it was up to his waist. And then another 500 metres, and the river was too deep to walk. It was too deep to walk across. It was deep enough to swim in, but it was too deep to walk through. And he asked Ezekiel, he said, Have you been watching, son of man? And then he led me back along the riverbank. And when he returned, I was surprised by the sight of many trees growing on both sides of the riverbank. And then he said to me, this river flows east through the desert into the valley of the Dead Sea. The waters of this stream will make the salty waters of the Dead Sea fresh and pure. There will be swarms of living things wherever this river flows. Fish will abound in the Dead Sea, for its waters will become fresh. And life will flourish wherever this water flows. Fishermen will stand along the shores of the Dead Sea, all the way from Engedi to Engelim. The shores will be covered with nets drying in the sun, and fish of every kind will fill the Dead Sea, just as they do in the Mediterranean. But the marshes and swamps will not be purified. They will still be salty. Fruit trees of all kinds will grow along both sides of the river. The leaves of these trees will never turn brown and fall, and there will always be fruit on their branches. There will be a new crop every month, for they are watered by the river flowing from the temple. The fruit will be food, and the leaves for healing. Heavenly Father, as we hear your word today, please bless us with an understanding, a new and fresh revelation of who you are and what this means for us today. What we need to do to step into what you have for us and how we can understand it in a way that your word will transform our lives, will change us in some way that we may turn and draw closer to you. Please bless us today in your name, Father. Amen. Amen. So have you been watching? Have you seen what God is doing? I love that question. Have you been watching Son of Man? This flowing, running, living water, it cleanses, it restores, and it heals everything in its path. Notice it just started out with a little trickle that he saw coming out from one little part of it. And as it followed along, it got deeper and deeper and deeper. See, Ezekiel was at a very, his his story comes at a very interesting time of the people of Israel that are described um, in the books before and after Ezekiel. So he comes at a time where the people of Israel had been taken from their own land and exiled to uh, the land of Babylonia. They basically had become uh, slaves in their own lands and taken out of there but 
at the time when Ezekiel was speaking to the people, seeking God, carrying the message, the temple in Jerusalem still remained. So it was a fair distance. I can't remember off the top of my head, but it's quite a distance between Jerusalem and Babylonia. So for the people of God at that time, all they had ever known was the presence of God in this temple. And they weren't close to that. They weren't near to that. They were, they were so far away. And they were wondering, how is this going to work? Because the circumstances called for repentance. They realized, I don't want to be here. I want to go back home. I want to experience the, the presence and the glory of God that we've known in times past. I'm sorry, God, for turning away. I'm sorry for walking my own way. I want to get back to where our relationship was. And here was Ezekiel telling the people, hey, now's the time. Now is the time that we need to seek God. Because at, that, at this point in time, the temple was still there. But there was the condition that if there was not repentance, if there was not turning back, the temple would be destroyed. And this is the, the time And this is the way that God revealed to himself to the people at the time. He didn't need them to go to the temple for some empty religious worship. He needed hearts that were sold out for him, that were living for his glory and for his purposes. So Ezekiel described the return of the Jewish people to their own land, the cleansing of the nation, and the restoring of the land to productivity and security. The, the river from the temple, it pictures, it's a beautiful picture. It's the flowing forth of God's blessing from the church into the world, getting deeper and deeper. And it turns a desert into a garden. Can you imagine that? See, Jerusalem was one of the, uh, the only ancient city that wasn't built along a riverbank. That's essentially what was needed for life and for security in those days. But yet God, in so many ways, reveals himself to us through creation, through the way that he works. When it doesn't make sense to anyone else, God's purposes still prevail. The river from the sanctuary pictures the worldwide blessings of the gospel. And as, um, as we head out, as we carry that message, as we are people who, who share in this good news, God can use us to be that river of blessing to the world, to our own communities, to the people around us that we do life with. It's a lesson that many of us need to recover from today, that we're so far away from God that there's areas of our life that we can keep on living in and that it will be okay if we don't draw nearer, if we don't take those steps towards the river of life. See, Ezekiel, he only noticed the trickle. And I wonder how much do we notice God working in our own lives or in the lives of people around us? Do you notice those streams of living water flowing out of the circumstances and the situations that you go through today. 
we can easily miss God at work in our own lives and the lives of those around us when we're so busy looking at everything else. The, the, the man in the vision, the guide, he measured out the depth of the water four times and the river became so deep that they could swim in it, but they couldn't walk across it. And I wonder, I wonder in some ways if this vision could possibly represent the journey that we have in our relationship with God. I think back and I, and I go, okay, when did I first notice that stream of living water in my own life? When I looked around and I saw people who were experiencing the fullness of a relationship with God, happy, content, satisfied, that's when I first noticed it. And I started to have that desire to dip my feet into the waters of Christianity, of the gospel message. I wanted to actually find out what it is to experience the relationship with God that was being described to me. That, that was my first notice. How did I dip my feet in the waters? I had to take a step of faith. I had to make a decision to go, you know what? I don't have all the answers. I actually don't know much about this at all. But I've heard the good news that Jesus has come, that God has sent Jesus into the world that I may have life and life to the full. That there is forgiveness of sins available, that there's hope for a future, that there's hope for eternal life in the loving presence of my creator, of my saviour. And that's why I made a decision to dip my feet into those waters and call Jesus, call on Jesus. Lord, I don't really know who you are, but I want to. I want to receive this life-transforming gift that you're offering me. I want to receive this invitation. And I tell you, once I received it, it started to change every part of my life. I wanted to dive right in. I didn't want to worry about, you know, when it's really cold, trying to get into the water. Oh, I'll just put my feet in. Oh, I'll just stand. I'll just, okay, get my knees. Oh, yep, the waves crashing. Oh, yep, yep, bit, bit more. No. Sometimes we just want to dive right in. And that's the kind of passion and hunger that I had for the Lord just once my feet dipped into the waters of the gospel. But somewhere along the way, I wasn't refreshed. I wasn't refreshed. I had struggles. I had situations in my life that caused me to doubt, to wonder, to question. And I'm thinking, why am I just paddling in this water? I'm getting tired. I need to go back. I need to retreat a little bit. And I just wonder if you're starting to picture where your relationship with God is right now. Is it up to your ankles or your knees? Maybe you're waist deep and you're still trying to decide whether you dive straight in. Maybe you dove in a long time ago and you're tired and struggling. And I wonder what the rest 
of these verses can teach us about our relationship with God. Because once uh, Ezekiel realized he could no longer cross the waters, what did he do? And I wonder for me if at my turning point in my relationship with God, when I really started to doubt, when I had those questions that I just couldn't figure out on my own, you know, the why? Why God? Why this? Why that? How does this work? How does that work? I could swim in it, but I could no longer walk across the bank. But somehow, I need to find a way to learn to trust God. To in faith go, you know what? I'm just going to come back to the riverbank. I'm going to have a look and see what God's doing in the world. I'm going to continue to notice that water flowing. Because here's the truth of the matter. Just as it talks about in this illustration, this living water flows into the Dead Sea. Now, this particular example is extremely relevant because if we know much about the Dead Sea, we know a few things. We know it's 10 times saltier than any other pool of water on the planet. We know that nothing lives in there. Nothing can be, life cannot be sustained in there. A few microorganisms, some algae, but no seaweed, no creatures, no fish, no life. But here's the promise. The promise in this vision is that the living waters flowing out and through the temple will bring new life, will refresh the Dead Sea. And I wonder for us, if that is an illustration of just how God works in our life, when we are spiritually dead, when we have disconnected from God and His living water can refresh us and bring new life. See, the water from the temple would heal the Dead Sea as well as the rivers and the water creatures would multiply wherever the, the waters flowed. If I look at my own life, is the living water flowing? Is there new life? See, life comes from the very heart of God. And this river envisioned, it's a sacred symbol of the life-giving power of the Lord. And not only that, it also illustrates the life-giving and the sustaining that God does. Jesus saw such river as a symbol of the Holy Spirit. Do you remember where he spoke about it? In John chapter 7. It's where he invites everybody, anybody, everybody that is thirsty to have a drink of the living water in the life-giving power of the Lord, the sustaining water of God. I'll just uh, come back up to some slides for a minute. Um, can I come back just for a second before we go there? Can I go back to, I think it's about slide two. Sorry, guys, I forgot. I completely just forgot that we had slides today. Uh, but they might help guide us through. Uh, sorry, it must be the next one, please. Hey, don't the guys on the tech do a great job here at Long Jetty? God bless them. We just throw them all over the place and... 
here they are. Yeah, so this is actually what I wanted to introduce, but I, I completely forgot it. So living water and the river of healing. And I guess the way that that translated for me, the application that I encourage us to think about, to take away, how do we refresh our soul that is the, with the living water that is Jesus Christ? We must begin to notice the streams of living water flowing all around us. We start to notice the way in which God uses our own lives to carry the message. This middle one, I think, is absolutely crucial, especially if we're tired and empty and we're not noticing the streams of living water in our own lives or even in anyone else's. It's time to place ourselves into the river of healing and let the living water wash over us. I'm going to talk a little bit about that, more about that one as we close out. But here, here's the clincher, right? How to refresh our soul. We need to let the living water overflow, overflow from our own life into the world. But we're never going to be able to do that if we don't first receive it. It's never going to overflow without being received into our own hearts. Thanks, guys. Um, I think we're back up at about slide five, if that's okay. Jesus promising the living water. Yeah? So on the last day, the climax of the festival, Jesus stood and shouted to the crowds, anyone who's thirsty may come to me. Anyone who believes in me may come and drink. For the scriptures declare rivers of living water will flow from his heart. Now, when Jesus said living water, he was speaking of the Holy Spirit. This is what the Bible explains to us. Who would be given to everyone believing in him. So here's a promise to hold on to. Okay? When we receive Jesus into our lives, the promise God gives us is that we will also receive the power of the Holy Spirit. It's God with us. It's not having to go to a temple or a place or here on Sunday or somewhere in particular. That's direct access to the living God. With us, for us, and ready to work through us with our own willingness. See, the time when Jesus made this invitation, it was um, called the Feast of Tabernacles. So everybody in the community come together and they looked back on the journey, on their own relationship with God throughout the generations of their people, yeah? They were celebrating the journey that they'd had through the wilderness. How long were they in the wilderness for, friends? 40 years. 40 years in the wilderness. God's life-sustaining, life-giving water. And bringing it back to why this was such an important moment for Jesus to give this invitation. See, each day, what they would do is they would carry some water from a, a special pool. And they'd pour it out and it would remind them of God's miraculous provision of water throughout those years in the desert. 
It was a reminder. And that water was but a picture of the Spirit of God. Believers would not only drink that living water, but they would become channels of living water to bless a thirsty world. See, we've received the promise. We've seen the fulfillment of this promise in Jesus. We're going to step into a time now, into a season, and we're going to remember just why Jesus came into this world. And that's why I believe it's so crucial that we start to look in our own lives and the lives of those that we journey with to notice where God is at work, to celebrate that, to savor that, to share that. So the day in which Jesus called this invitation, it was the last time they draw out the water and pour it out. And no doubt, just as they were pouring out the water, symbolic of the water that God provided in the desert, Jesus stood up and shouted out this invitation, a great invitation that he still extends to us each and every day. It's the invitation, it's the best news we could possibly imagine. And we have that to share with the world, with all the people that we're blessed to to journey and, and share with. And while the ultimate fulfillment must await for the return of Christ to the earth, certainly there's a partial fulfillment when Jesus came to the temple that day. Certainly there's a partial fulfillment when we receive and drink of the living water today and get refreshed from that place where we might be. See, Jesus offered them living water and eternal satisfaction. That's what we have in Christ. Hope for the future. Hope for the forgiveness of sins. A right relationship with God. What better way to bless a hurting and broken world? So today, we're going to set up a special time. And this is for each and every one of us to do our own personal business with God. I love the, the worship, the appeal song that's been chosen for today. It's about seven years old. I'd never heard it. God prepared it for just a time as this in my own life and hopefully for the life of the church here at Long Jetty. And it goes over some of the stuff that we've been talking about. It encourages us, Holy Spirit, rain, fall like a flood. Holy Spirit, fire, burn within my soul. So here's here's what we've learned since the people in the times of Ezekiel were told about the living water when he was shown that vision of the living water flowing out from the temple, we've since learned through the coming of Jesus that the living water, it's the Holy Spirit poured out for each and every one of us through Jesus' death on the cross, through the the mystery and miraculous resurrection, the very relationship that we have available with God. Holy Spirit, as we call on the name of Jesus, as we stand in your presence, may the revelations of your love consume us, transform us.
I was thinking about some of these lyrics and um, I remembered the flag, the flag of the Salvation Army. And we speak about it um, at certain times, but it just reminded me the colours on the flag are, are, are symbolic, are representative of something. The blue represents the purity of God, the red, the blood of Jesus shed on the cross, and the yellow is the fire of the Holy Spirit. Isn't it such a beautiful picture, a beautiful revelation of who God is? The Holy Spirit revealed as both the living water and the fire that burns away the stuff in our life that keeps us separated from God. What of an opportunity we have today to be refreshed, to be refined, to return to the glory of God. Living water, river wild in me, immerse me in your mercy. Restore me in your glory, Lord. All the words that we're going to start to sing, all the things that we can think about as we head into a time to do our own business with God. I'm really excited to see this picture and I'm really excited to see what God does in your life today, how He refreshes your soul. Because I can tell you right now, if you meet with God and let the rivers of the living water wash over your life, you will not leave here the same. You will be refreshed. You will be transformed. And you'll be ready to overflow the living water into a hurting and broken world. What more could we do as we head into the Christmas season as we remember the coming of our Lord and Saviour, but to share and to be refreshed, ready to carry that news. So I encourage your friends, whatever you need to do your business with God, you're welcome to come out to the mercy seat, You can pray where you are. You can stand up and sing. Whatever you need to do, this is our time to meet with God and let the river of healing wash over our lives. The living water that is Jesus Christ, our Lord. The power of the Holy Spirit, let it wash over you today, friends. I want to push the envelope a little bit this morning because... um, you know, when you first go to jump in the water, it's a little uncomfortable. You jump in the ocean. Once you're in, you go, man, why didn't I get in sooner? And so I want to push the envelope a little bit. Don't sit down, bro, because you have a gift of evangelism in your life. And I'm going to ask if you stand over there. And if you want to give your life to Jesus this morning, go and ask Chris to pray with you. A prayer that will give, bring you into relationship with Jesus Christ. Okay? Um, I believe I have a gift of anointing on my life for healing. If you want to come and receive prayer for any type of healing this morning, come and I'm very happy to pray for you this morning. Um, Dawn, if it's okay with you, this lady oozes love, right? And if, are you okay to pray with people this morning? I just sense this in my spirit. Dawn, if you're happy to come out the front, if you just need to sense the love of God in your life this morning, come and get prayer from Dawn. Now, you don't have to come to any three of us. You can just come and pray with God. God doesn't need us. You can just minister by His Spirit, come and kneel and pray. But engage, okay? Um, Yeah, the biggest disappointment for me for the Central Coast is that we look at those lakes and they look amazing, but you get in them and they're dodgy, full of silt and they're 
Your boat can't even get in them properly. But you know what? The river of life looks amazing, but you won't ever experience unless you get in it. So you can watch if you want, but I encourage you to actually engage this morning and you will taste God. And like Chris said, once you taste Him, you can't get enough. So don't be a spectator this morning, hey? Either stand and worship, lay down and worship, kneel and pray, come out for prayer, whatever you need to do this morning. But let's have some, this is the fun time. This is where we engage with the Spirit of God and let Him engage with us. So let's go.